good morning, everyone. I'm Claire. If you don't know me, I am uh, part of the team here, and it's very good to be with you. And um, some of the time, I am not here. I am actually part of a little community called Love Bristol. It's a church and a charity down in Stokescroft, which I run with my husband. And I'm going to tell you a little story in a minute that comes from the life of Love Bristol. But we're in a series at the moment called Both And. And can I just sort of tell you something off the record? I'm finding it quite hard to communicate this morning all the stuff that Dave Mitchell has put in his massive list of things that need to be preached on, each of which could be a sermon series. So will you forgive me if I skim over some things that are really deep, profound, and I'm just going to say something really shallow and passing, okay? Just, you're just going to have to let me off the hook. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with a story. Um, the story is that Love Bristol took a little team to a festival over the summer called Boomtown. Put your hand up if you've heard of Boomtown. Oh, okay, quite a few. Well, it takes place in the countryside, and it is the most drug-fueled dance festival in the UK at the moment. And about 80,000 young people, mainly between about 18 and uh, 25 probably, um, go and dance their lives away over the course of a weekend. And we, my husband and I, have been leading teams going to festivals for 30 years. Glastonbury for 20 years and Boomtown, we started more recently. So we took 15 people um, and we went and set up a tent and we offered prayer. That's all we did. So we offered prayer. Life readings, we called it, because if you offer prayer, who knows what that is these days? It could be anything. It's so many different things that people understand it to be. So we called it life readings, and what is it? It is just to say to people, we would say to people, we're not psychics, we can't really read your life. All we do is we pray, we ask God, we think he wants to say stuff to you, we ask him what he's saying to you, and then we feed it back to you. If you don't believe in God, it's fine. You don't even have to listen to what we're saying. You can walk away and do whatever you like with it. So very light, and so we do that. And um, over the course of a weekend, we just open the tent and we do some things like that. <clears throat> so this year, I really didn't want to go. I wanted to go to Spain on holiday. <laughs> and um, we did go to Spain eventually, but I didn't want to go to Boomtown. It was going to rain, and I just didn't want to go. And I'd worked hard all year, and it felt like working in my holidays, you know. But anyway... My husband wanted to go, and I'm supportive and all that sort of thing. So anyway, we <laughs> that's got me into a lot of trouble over the last 33 years. Um, so anyway, we went, and um, I was in that kind of mood. And my, my, one of my best friends, Jo Person, is here today. She will vouch for how bad a mood I was in about it. And she came too. And we sat at this tent, and then it came to opening time. It was 1 o'clock on the Thursday, and we were ready to, to go to open the tent and within like one, one minute past one o'clock, um, somebody came out to the back and said, there's somebody here who wants a life reading. And everyone looks at everyone thinking, you go, you go, I'm not ready. Um, <laughs> but then me and Joe, because we were the grown-ups, said, oh, we'll do it. So we went out and we sat with this girl who wanted a life reading. And um, so here I am, slightly not feeling, feeling it, not wanting to be there, wanting to be in Spain feeling a bit rusty because I was on holiday, you know, rusty on the prophetic and all that sort of thing. And um, uh, so we, start, we said, okay, so what we do, we say to this girl, we, we don't really, we're not psychics, we just um, listen to God. Is that okay with you? Yes, she said, very open. So 
I said, let's all close our eyes for a minute. And we prayed. And so I prayed and I said, God, is there anything you want to say to this, this girl? And I had a picture. Okay, so I had a picture of a plant, um, a seeds being planted into a pot. Standard Christian imagery. <laughs> you know how to interpret that one. So I thought, oh, okay, I can say something about that. Seeds, something about the potential in the seeds that, you know, every, t- every seed that's planted, there's something in it. And you're fascinated with the potential in these seeds. I think you're a nurturing person. I said some things, literally was like, hmm, I'm not sure where this is going. Joe, she had this picture of a crown encrusted with jewels. Standard Christian imagery. <laughs> and again, we know what to say about this stuff, don't we? I think that you're precious to God. And uh, maybe you don't think you're precious to God, but God says you're precious to him so we shared those thoughts with this girl and then Joe said I hate this bit because you sort of think if the answer's no you want to run away does any of that resonate with you and um she this girl just said I'm a final art final year art student and my final project all year is on seeds and it's all about the potential in the seeds and I'm painting these massive paintings of seeds trying to portray the potential in the seeds and we're like okay (laughs) slightly quiet at this point thinking oh something's actually happening and then she just turned to Joe and she said what you said to me really touched me because I really struggle with my self-esteem and the idea that I'm precious is not something I ever think and it's and so we ended up having this lovely prayer time with this this girl and sent her away with just the thought you know God wants to speak to you he loves talking to you just as much as he talks to us. Why don't you just say to him, is there anything you want to say to me? I'm open, God. And yes, she said she would, and off she went. And that was the beginning of a five days, really, of um, just one after the other encounter like that. Probably 150 to 200, we lost count, of those kind of interactions where there was this wide openness in a particular group of people, the 18 to 21-year-olds probably, wide open. They believe the universe is on their side, hopefully. And there's no resist, there was very little resistance to anything we said. Virtually every single person that we asked, would you like a prayer? We had a throne called the throne of blessing. It's just an armchair with some silver wings and a neon halo. Would you like to sit in our throne of blessing yes okay all we're going to do is we're going to bless you and we just prayed for them laid hands on them blessed them people crying within seconds of actually being prayed for and we came away with this sense that there is a particular generation that is wide open to the gospel wide open not resistant at all virtually no one said no Um, but they believe anything and everything it's literally anything but it's a general, there's something out there. And to be able to communicate, yes, you're right, <laughs> you're totally right. The universe is, is good, and there's a goodness in it, and there is someone, and it's focused in the person of Jesus, and you can know him, and you're known, and that was a real message of hope. And I sort of, I'm telling that story because we're in this series on both and, and it's really an attempt to try and find a way to posture ourselves in a culture and society and time in history that's immensely confusing. And people believe anything and everything. 
and everything is okay to believe, to believe. But if you pin things down, that's where it gets really uncomfortable. And, but we as a people of God have pinned things down. We believe that Jesus died for us. He came to earth as a human being. He died for us. He rose again. And the whole of Christianity is built on this one grounding truth. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that we hold um, that isn't quite so black and white. And what happens in times of turmoil like we're in in the world at the moment, and it's true, isn't it? It's a confusing picture, is that people run to black and white ideas and they don't want to stand in the confusion of the marketplace of ideas. And they don't, people, people just want to be told what to believe and gather around those truths. And yet, as Christian people, we're not called to be dogmatists, just saying, come here, if you believe this, you're in. We somehow have to be there, able to hold our own. How do you hold your own? How do you know what to say? How do you know what to believe? What do you believe about things like communion? What's happening, for example, when we take communion? Somebody said to me, a non-Christian said to me the other day, I love coming to church for communion. It's great because you can come in, you sit down, and then when they say you go to the front, an Anglican church or a Catholic church, you go to the front, you get this stuff, and you take it in, and it like purifies you, and then you can go out and get on with your life. And it was this sort of idea that there's this spiritual power in communion, a personal transaction between you and God. Do you believe that? I believe that if you come forward for communion, yes, you can have a personal spiritual moment with God that is really important. And many of us come to communion with that agenda. I need a healing. I need some freedom. I need to make something right between. I need a refresh. You know, and that's, that's not a bad thing. That's one angle of communion. But the truth is, you come to communion, you're coming to the foot of the cross. What is at the foot of the cross? All the others. You and me, a crowd, all grounded by the reality that we all need Jesus equally, all need forgiving, and we've all been forgiven. And therefore, the person who's standing next to you who hurt you because we do that, don't we, in church, hurt one another, has to be forgiven because you're at the foot of the cross. And so communion is a both-and meal. It's for you, for your renewal, your healing, your restoration, but it's for us to knit us together into a union, a community. And really, this the reason why Dave's so passionate about this difficult series <laughs> is because these things are huge. You could say so many more things about that. But let's just read this little quote from a guy called Leslie Newbigin. He's, he's a theologian. And he just asked the question, what is it that marks the church out amongst all the other voices in the world? What, will it be the creeds, you know, come here and you'll believe this? Is it the social justice, do this? What is it that marks us out as that union and communion of people? And he says this, how is it possible that the gospel should be credible? That's a good question. In Boontown, is it credible, the gospel? 
that people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man on the cross. The next one. I'm suggesting, this theologian says, that the only answer, the only hermeneutic, complicated word, means interpretation, of the gospel is this, a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. All the other activities are secondary and they have power to accomplish their purpose only as they are rooted in and lead back to a believing community. So really, both and spirituality is about believing in stuff and being it. Living it and believing it. Being a messenger of the gospel to our world, but being a message. So are you a message as well as having something to say. And truth is, in that little community in Boomtown, it's not just about a, a prophetic word that will capture somebody. All that does is arrest them in their tracks and makes them think, oh, there's something out there. What do you do when that happens? Well, what you do is you turn into mums. That's what me and my friend Joe did. We realized all these young people, they need parenting and coaching and teaching how to relate to God. And that comes out of us naturally as a community of people. Um, but it's not just a spiritual thing or a dogma that we share. So we're on that sort of track, okay? I'm going to read a little passage now. And I'm not going to unpack it very much, but I just want you to get the sense in this passage. This is the early church. This is Paul talking to the early church. And what you get the feeling of is it's a bit confusing what's going on. And I want you to hold that lens and think, is it anything like it is now? Because I think it's confusing how to speak to a generation that has lost all or has no sense of anything other than everything is fine. How do you hold to something that is true without becoming dogmatic? Okay, so just see if you can listen to the tone in this passage. This is Paul nurturing, pastoring the church. Okay, let's read it. After all, he says, what is Apollos? Apollos is just an early church leader that they're fighting over who, whether they're lead, uh, he's the leader or Paul is. What is Paul, he says? We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we're co-workers in God's service. You're God's field. You're God's building. So he's communicating this idea to us. You're being built by God. But we've, these pastors are here. But are you following them and their dogmas? How are you to hold yourself when there's all these voices? Understand that you're being built by God. He goes on to say, by the grace God has given me. I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is now building on it. Each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each other person's work. And like I said, I'm not going to really unpack that passage. I just want to say that the early church and through the centuries has had to grapple with what is important to say what do we hold to? How do we build a life around the things that we believe? And how do we, do we understand that what we believe ultimately is tested in the fire by the day, Paul says. And by that, that's like, almost like a euphemism for a day of struggle where everything is suddenly revealed. So your life and my life if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're exploring it here today. And if you are, you're really welcome to just keep exploring. Keep not knowing what you believe until you know what you believe. Because we're fine with that. Because our calling is to know our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to walk with him. And to work out what it looks like to build on that foundation and it seems in that passage that Paul is saying, you know, as you build, you will find some of it turns out to be gold. And you might find some of it turns out to be stubble and hay. But there's not a sense in which Paul is saying, watch out if it's hay. He's just saying life, suffering, pressure, it will test it all. But ultimately, you're God's field, God's building. You can be sure. And I think a both and theology allows us to just hold ourselves trying to work out how to do things. Like communion, okay? I'm going to pass really quickly over salvation. That's another thing Dave wanted me to mention. Oh my goodness, you could preach a term on salvation. Who knows the day they became a Christian? Put your hand up in the air. The day. Okay. About a third of you. So... I'm assuming most of the rest of you probably are Christians. I haven't got a day. I never became a Christian, by the way. Not even, shouldn't be up here. <laughs> um, but most of us would say probably that it, it's something happened gradually. So put your hand up if you feel like that's more the picture for you, that this dawning realization, that's kind of more of us. Okay, so is salvation a moment where you step over a line and from that moment you're saved? Scripture seems to indicate yes. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. One moment. But then scripture also seems to say you're being saved. And if you hold to what you believe, you will be saved. As if there's this process that we're holding together. And so we're both and in that. We're not the black and white you know, I've, I know somebody who says, I've prayed 3,000 sinners' prayers with people down in Broadmead. Don't know if I think that means very much. Because it's not about stepping over the line. It's about being converted. And your heart, your heart is like a field that is being cultivated by God. Where do you need converting? Still. You're on a journey of conversion. And God, right now, the Spirit of God is pressing up against uncultivated areas in your mind and heart, your soul. Right now, and you know it, don't you? And you can almost put your finger on now what the Spirit has been saying to you. Still needs converting. That hardness, that prejudice, that unforgiveness, 
that inability to worship, that unresolved conflict within you, the Spirit is converting you all the time. So what is he saying to you at the moment? So there's salvation. It's a both-and thing. The spiritual gifts. Who's spiritually gifted here? Put your hand up if you have a spiritual gift. Oh, you're not so sure. Who's got some natural gifts? Put your hand up in the air if you think you've got at least one or more natural gifts. Come on, you lot. Your self-esteem is terrible. Get to wholeness. It's happening beginning of November. You've all got natural gifts, haven't you? It might just be cooking. Not that cooking's a low thing. It's a really good one if you're a cook, especially if you're cooking for Alpha. Um, you've got natural gifts. So when you're operating, when you're being gifted for God, are you operating in your natural gifts? Well, yes, the Bible seems to say. But also God will bestow on you supernatural gifts that can do what you cannot do because you can't read minds so you can prophesy and have a random picture that you think you've made up and all of a sudden it's connected because the spirit is at work do you want in on that well you've got to be a both and Christian you've got to get yourself out of your natural giftings I know that I can handle living in a field for five days getting up at nine o'clock in the morning staying awake till 4 a.m when you should close the venue getting back up again at nine o'clock in the morning and then packing all the way through the night and driving home at six o'clock in the morning on the Monday morning I can do that <laughs> it's not supernatural it's because I I can just make myself do it there's a natural something I don't know what it is <laughs> there that may and and you we've all got the those things but the spirit of God wants to work through what we offer and supernaturally endow you with gifts of healing knowledge discernment wisdom all the things that only the spirit can do so I'm going to that's a both and thing final both and thing is the bible and this is the one I'm really passionate about now is the bible written by God hand up who wrote the bible God yes or no yes God wrote the bible we know the passage don't we Timothy all scripture is God breathed useful for let's see if we can get it up <laughs> useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness who believes that scripture is God breathed good bible believing church I like that Okay, so one of the things that really comes out in conversation in a secular setting, like a festival where no one believes in the God you are believing in, pretty much no one does, and you have all sorts of ideas coming out, and one of the most common things that people say is, well, the thing is, the Bible, you don't have to take the Bible seriously, or you don't have to take it dogmatically, because it's been mistranslated. We all know that, people say very knowledgeably, the Bible's been mistranslated. And in fact, someone in our team was talking to, we, we were talking to this, the guy in the tent next door to us, it's a very fascinating thing, he was a shaman. Shaman is like a, somebody who's channeling spirits, Dodgy, bad idea. <laughs> um, but he was doing life readings too in the tent next to us. And people were coming to him, but he became friends with us. And he really liked the Christians. And he didn't know what to do with that, the fact that he liked us. And somebody overheard him saying, he was, they were in the queue for a life reading. And, and he said, well, I could do one, but you could go next door because they're really good at it. 
That's interesting, isn't it? But, you know, he comes to our meeting, our worship meeting in the tent, and he starts trying to join in with the prophecy. And that's an interesting thing as well. But he, one of the things he was saying was that um, the Bible, I don't, you know, I don't really believe the Bible has been mistranslated, but he had a special friendship with somebody on our team called Nathaniel, who's Jewish. And Nathaniel reads the Bible in the original Hebrew. So that was an interesting conversation. Show me the mistranslations. Um, so <laughs> what should we do about the Bible? Is it God-breathed or is it written by human beings? Well, yes, it is written by human beings. Actually, if you look at the, the prophetic, the prophets in the Old Testament, they are, you see everyone's personality and character. Each one is different to the other, as if they're human and their humanity is in those hallowed words, those God-breathed words, almost allows for the human in there. And so you have that passage from Timothy, but you also have Luke at the beginning of his gospel saying, I just thought it was a good idea to write some of this stuff down. So who wrote it? Luke or the Spirit? And of course, the real thing, if we go to that last uh, text, which is um, Hebrews, here is what happens when you read the word of God in a both-and way? What happens is the word of God becomes alive and active. Not just something written by humans or even just written by God as dogma that you must believe. But it's something that is alive and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When you read the Bible as a document that has come through the filter of humanity here in our lives, this is what it is like to walk with God, to know God, to puzzle over him. You see the unfolding revelation that, that happens in the hands of human beings as they gradually begin to work out what God is really like. Is he telling us to kill all the babies and murder and and invade these countries. That's a confusing thing for so many people in our culture. What about all the violence in the Bible? But then as you see the Bible keep going, this unfolding revelation of the amazing, immense love of God, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears on the scene halfway through the narrative of the Bible, and there is someone who embodies what God is perfectly like. And so you read the Bible with the Spirit and we're careful around dogma. We're careful before, we, we, like Paul says in that passage, the base is Jesus. Be careful as you build, that you don't just build hay and stubble with extra stuff that is too dogmatic. So I want to encourage you to allow the Bible to leap into life, in your life, to bring the circumstances of your life, your heartbreak, your pain, your confusion, your questions, your difficulties, your failures, and let them meet the Bible. Let the Bible inform you and come to you because something happens when the Spirit of God is present and that is that the Word becomes flesh in you. The Word of God becomes flesh. That is the defining feature of the Bible that makes it a both-and document. It is both written by God and humans and it brings this life into being. I want to encourage you to come back again 
to the Bible because we're not going to get anywhere if we're believing all, anything and everything. The only way that we can thrive and flourish and hold our own in this world that is so confusing is to be people who know and love the Bible and allow it to speak into our lives and heal us and refresh us and set us free by bringing the word of God and making it flesh in our own lives. And so as we come to communion, the both and meal, that's what's going to happen. You're going to come and you're going to have a transaction with God who made the universe. And the universe is friendly because God inhabits it. But he is a person who knows you and you can bring him your sorrow, your pain, your conflicts, your joy. And you can stand at the foot of the cross and offer it to him and allow him to heal you, forgive you, wash you in the blood of Jesus. But when you're standing here, we'll all be here too. And so if you need to forgive someone, then that's what you must do. Because you're on the level ground at the foot of the cross. And our unity is our message to the world. I'm going to leave it there. There's so many more things you could say. <laughs> I told those two this is going to be difficult. They're encouraging me. Shall I pray? And then Nigel's going to come up and uh, lead us in communion. So God, we just come to you with all of this, all these thoughts and ideas, but also our world that is so wide open. There are so many things being believed and promoted, calling to us tensions that are hard for us to navigate. And we need the wisdom of your spirit so much. We cannot retreat into dogmas and ideas and hide because you called us into the world to represent you so I, I just pray God for a strength within I pray that your spirit would come today and be poured into us strengthen us in our inner beings by the power of your word by your presence Jesus by resolving our inner conflicts teaching us your wisdom come strength of God just pray today particularly for minds I just feel like some people are sitting here with frazzled minds and I've spoken a load of words and I just pray over you the, the peace and the calm of God over your mind you know, a favourite verse for me I don't really know what it means is there's a balm in Gilead that heals the wounded soul. It's in Isaiah. And I pray that for you, that the balm of God would heal your mind, your troubled soul, your physical body. Thank you that we can come to you in communion today, God. Amen.